0: Hello friends and welcome to episode 673 of the Juice Box podcast. You have been asking forever for me to get Robin Arzon on the podcast and today here she is. Robin is here to talk about a lot. I asked her a ton of questions of my own, questions from you, the listeners, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what she's doing with today's sponsor, G-Voke Glucagon. If after she's done talking, you're super interested, head to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash Robin Arzon. Do you know how to spell Arzon? I'll just spell it for you. Robin's with an I. So it's R-O-B-I-N-A-R-Z-O-N, Robin Robin Arzon. Gvokeglucagon.com forward slash Robin Arson. Anyway, huge thanks to G for helping me get Robin on the show. I hope you enjoy it. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. At some point during the show, you're going to hear me talk about an article that I wrote about Robin many years ago. If you're interested in it, I'm going to post it in the private Facebook group later. You can find it there. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at Gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. If you're a U.S. citizen who has Type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with Type 1, you can spend fewer than 10 minutes filling out a survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This survey will ask you incredibly simple questions about your life with diabetes. It is completely HIPAA compliant, 100% anonymous, and will help people living with type 1. It also supports the Juicebox podcast when you complete the survey. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. So I'm going to jump right in because I know our time is limited. And, um, usually there'd be some light chit chat where we'd, uh, get comfortable, but we'll skip over that. <laughs> no problem. I'm going to go with my first question. I know you know because everybody who's involved in getting you on the show today told you, but prior to that, do you remember me? You shouldn't, but do you?
1: I'll be honest, I don't. I don't recall our initial conversation, but my team did, uh, update me that we've had spoken before.
0: I, of course, would understand that you didn't, but, um, I just, it was crazy prior to the podcast even starting. And at the very beginning of 2015, I got a note from an associate and they said, would you, um, you know, would you interview this person for me? Um, I think it was for Omnipod or something back then. And, um, and, and they were like, I said, sure. What's about? I said, oh, she uses Omnipod and she's going to be a lawyer, but she's like a marathon runner now or something like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. So, um, (laughs) so we have this long conversation and we're talking about everything, and in the middle of it, you just, you know, it started picking through your life a little bit and you told that, you know, story, which I'm sure you've had to tell a million times since then uh, about when you were in college and, um, and the, the problem you had in that bar. And, uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, and then you and I only ever spoke once more and, uh, we were talking and you said it was, you know, you were saying thank you and whatnot. And you were like, hey, I got to go. I think I'm getting a book deal. And then and that was it. And then I've watched your life like explode over the years. And I feel like I know you when obviously I do not. So um,
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. Wow. So you you really have witnessed quite a few moments.
0: I just I just feel like I've been I feel like a proud parent. And no one knows I'm part of the I'm part of the family. <laughs> that, that's all. Um <laughs> I, I guess what I I want to really dig in and, and and start by asking you like from that moment like back there and I guess it's like twenty fifteen right early twenty fifteen how did you go from a, a girl who thought she was going to be a lawyer and decided to run marathons et cetera to where you are now like what pathway did you take it couldn't have been
1: oh gosh like, yeah uh, <laughs> one. lots of pathways I guess uh, you know there's no there's no one bright path success uh, is often very circuitous and windy. And I think I, um, really align myself with what feels like a yes. You know, I really own my no to protect my yeses and, you know, really develop partnerships that feel in alignment with how I live my life, whether that's with Peloton or with GVOC. So that, um, GVOC So that really, I guess it's the answer to your question. Uh, I don't know if you were looking for something more specific, but I, I oftentimes really go on intuition.
0: No, I, appre- I appreciate that as a as a great answer. So you just sort of do what seems right to you and ignore the things that seem wrong. And that's how pretty you, much, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean that that had to be. I mean, for people who don't know, like going all the way back to that point, like you were like you were a student, you were focused on being an attorney. And then just one day we're like, no, instead I'm going to do this. And were you interviewing people at one point in the very beginning?
1: Interviewing like athletes um, or something like that. Oh, well, initially when I left my law firm, when I stopped practicing law, I at that time had a blog. And so I was interviewing athletes and Olympians. Um, many of whom are now my friends for that for that blog. So, right. yeah, I, I, loosely I would say call it an interview, but it certainly wasn't, you know, any Pulitzer Prize-winning journalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: just, it's just fantastic. I mean, the, the, I remember as clear as day talking to you back then that the leap from, I mean, you were just about graduated from your undergrad, right? Or you had graduated.
1: No, I would have graduated, yeah. I I, um, I practiced law for eight years.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm saying, this is it's insane to have accomplished something like that. And then just said, Oh, I'm going to sit this over here on the shelf and try something completely different that begins with a blog and interviewing people talking into your iPhone or whatever. Um, it's, it's just a, Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Do you look back and ever think, wow, that person was like, how do you see yourself in hindsight? Do you see yourself as brave? Or like, as you're older, and you're a mom now? Do you think, God, if my kid does that, I'm going to be so upset? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, uh, I don't think I, I would be upset. I, um, sure, there are lots of moments of bravery, but I think, you know, I, I in what I do every day, I like to normalize the everyday superhero. Um, you know, I joke that I have a superhero toolkit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that involves um, trusting oneself and, and being brave. And I know, you know, part of what we're going to talk about today is my partnership with Jivo KaipoPen And that's in my superhero toolkit now. Right. And as an athlete and as someone living with type one, I want to feel prepared. I want to feel ready and I want to, I want to optimize opportunities for bravery. So yes, I do think there were lots of moments, um, you know, where I had an opportunity for bravery when I was leaving law, certainly as an athlete living with type one, Um, and now it's both with passion and preparedness that I, that I navigate the next, the next adventures, whatever, whatever they may be. (laughs)
0: Yeah, It's interesting that you bring it up because I have questions here from listeners of the show and, and it's mostly about that. They, they're, they're just hungry to know how you can do such an intense exercise with type one. They want to know all kinds of stuff, which I'll ask you about in a second, but the one thing I want to tell you is that um, I have a really robust Facebook group, uh, like 25,000 people in it. And so I went in there and I just sort of said this this just this morning, like, hey, I'm going to talk to Robin today. Do you have questions? And hundreds of questions fo- flow in. But along with them were pictures of children riding bikes, um, you know, dressed in leotards and notes from their parents, notes from their parents to th- please tell Robin how much she means to our family, Like, I'm not kidding you dozens of them. Um, I, I mean, if I read, wow. you, if I read you every one of the little stories that people sent me, that's what we would do for the next 45 minutes. Um, and so I guess let's start with that. Let's start with their kind of nuts and bolts questions because people want to know like what your regimen is like before you ride, you know, people with type one experience, you know, lows while they're exercising or sometimes highs from adrenaline weightlifting, of course, impacts differently. They want to know everything. They want to know what you eat before you get on the bike. How come they don't see you looking at your blood sugar during that ride because they can't make it through without looking and and all that stuff. So what's your prep like for, for a ride?
1: Um, it really depends on what my training schedule has been that day. Before I teach at Peloton, I normally have done my own lifting, running, um, or cycling, depending on what with the classes that I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. So for example, today I um, ran in the morning and um, I didn't, I just drank water beforehand. And then towards the end of my run, my blood sugar started dipping a little bit. So I had half my smoothie. Then I went to the gym. I did an hour of weightlifting and some metabolic conditioning. Um, again just water throughout towards the end of the metabolic conditioning my blood sugar was dipping a little bit so i finished the rest of my smoothie then i went to the studio i taught two cycling class oh, no one cycling class and one arms class and um the, it, whether i eat like half a banana or a little bit of juice or usually i'll plan my meals around my training so for example this morning when i drank my smoothie i didn't take any insulin from my smoothie i just Literally used that sugar during my training, mm-hmm. and I timed when I was going to be drinking that smoothie based on what my blood sugar was doing. Um, and then my blood sugar was pretty even heading into my cycling class, um, and then after my cycling class, I had a banana because I saw that my blood sugar was dipping throughout the classes. I mean, I I know my body. I know how to listen to my body. I I can very with pretty good accuracy tell within a range or at the very least, whether I'm low, average, normal, quote unquote, normal, or, or trending high. Right. I, I really am very that in tune with my body. Um, so yeah, for a 35, 30 or 45 minute class, I, I, I really don't feel the need to look at my well, pe- my data.
0: people. I don't know if this is a uh, a reference you're going to know, but you're 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 closer to my age than not, so maybe you will. People watch you like they're studying the Zabruder films. Um, I i <laughs> i have notes here about I don't see her look at her watch. Uh, people have theories that you have your blood sugar in front of you, behind a camera where you can look up and see it, but they can't see it. It's fascinating to 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 to, to think about how they're wondering because I think you're accomplishing something that they they haven't been able to accomplish yet, which is take this ride without needing sugar during it or being worried about your blood sugar. And they're just trying to imagine how you're doing it. So it's really great of you to share this. So do you see something different when you're strength training? Do you need insulin for that?
1: Yeah. So I, so for strength training, I almost always will have my normal insulin on board And if I see myself going low, then I'll just plan again. Like I have a smoothie that I drink every single morning and I just literally drink it when, if, and when I'm starting to trend a little bit lower Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes depending on like I'm going really heavy. Like this morning, I did a pretty heavy five by five that adrenaline is going. And so I'm pretty, I was pretty actually even throughout up until the very end because um, because of that adrenaline. Right. And when I'm doing more cardio based things, um, then, you know, that my, 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 ch- the chances of me going lower are, are higher. Yeah. <laughs> my chances of me going lower are more likely. Right. Um, but yeah, for, for things that, that really pump up adrenaline, um, I'm, I'm mindful of that. And when I'm doing sometimes I'll, some days I'll do like two hour lifting sessions. And during that second hour, I almost always need to give myself a little bit of extra insulin to accommodate for the adrenaline.
0: Right. Uh, can I ask you? I don't know if you share this stuff with people, but um, are you you're wearing a pump and a glucose monitor? I
1: imagine. Yeah, yeah. and I loop
0: them. Oh, you're you're looping. Oh, very cool. My daughter loops. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you're. I'm going to guess you're using Omnipod and Dexcom. I am. Yes. Cool. So, um, so does the loop do a lot of the work? Do you find the algorithm is is it helping? Like when you look back at it later, are you seeing it giving insulin or cutting away, or are are your settings? kind of rock solid where it just sort of rides the way you have it set up
1: it definitely helps um yeah i would say that the algorithm is is advantageous for sure and my settings are pretty dialed in and i really adapt my settings based on what i'm going to be doing you know so i i know how my body is going to react and you know for for example for long runs when i was marathon training I was re- really grateful to find something like Jibo Kypo Pen because then I would just throw that into my into my r- running belt and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to think about it in the off chance. Thankfully, I've never had it, never needed to use any type of glucagon injection. But that's the kind of like peace of mind that I like knowing in the worst worst case scenario and in a, in a severe extreme emergency situation that I would be covered. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, I, my my settings are very dialed in and I am incredibly body aware. Um, and I bet on myself,
0: Well, I, have like to tell I, you. I
1: don't, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, every, I don't need to check every two seconds because I trust myself and I'm, and I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to take a certain, certain element of risk.
0: Yeah. So Robin, you're going to, I'm going to say something right now. Like you're being a really good sport by trying to talk about how you're doing all this stuff, because I know from having my daughter set really well too, and her settings are rock solid that when people ask you, like, how do you do that? I say, it's not really, there's not a lot to say because the settings are so right on that even as you move from activity to inactivity or strenuous activity to cardio or whatever, it, that your settings are so close that it, you don't see the impact that they imagine. And that's why I go back to them and I say, you know, you got to get your basal right first. You have to understand how to pre mm-hmm. your meals and the glycemic load and index of the food you're eating. Like, to me, that, for sure. that's the key. It's not the, like, it's not the magic, hey, 25 minutes before you go for a run, eat 15 carbs of, like, I don't see, I no. think those are workarounds to a problem that could be fixed other ways is how I kind of say it. And um.
1: yeah, I mean, you know? I really, I really think it's important to observe. I, I, when I was diagnosed, I, I thought to myself, okay, you're going to just have to treat yourself like a science experiment, like take in as much data as you're comfortable And then repeat what works and change what doesn't. And I have plenty of days where I'm just like, oh gosh, why isn't this going my way? But for the most part, I'm able to operate largely unencumbered um, because I really approached my care. Like I had to get curious, I had to get curious. Instead of getting frustrated, get curious.
0: See, the way I think about it is you have to have these experiences over and over again. And when they do go wrong, which they inevitably will, instead of kind of like being upset by it, treat it as a learning experience, look at what happens so you can make adjustments for the next time. I think we're saying the same thing, really. Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Hey, um, I'm going to jump around a little bit. These questions a little bit. Here's a less serious one. This is a quote. How do I walk away from a spin class without my crotch and butt feeling like it's been pummeled by a sledgehammer and set on fire? Do you have anything about that?
1: that's funny um you do get used to it (laughs) i would say check your bike settings because you should not feel um like you've been set on fire (laughs) but um yeah i would say you know definitely check your your bike settings to make sure that you're seated on the bike appropriately but otherwise you you do get used to it after a few classes
0: okay (laughs) um when you have I, i don't know if you share this but you appear to have as little body fat as humanly possible do you feel um like your pod and, and Dexcom, does it feel different? People want to know when you don't have as much body fat when you're inserting them. Or how would you? Sometimes
1: be able to know? I have made, yeah, I have inserted it um, them in areas where I, I actually feel it go. The other day, I inserted it accidentally, like in my oblique, and that did not feel so great. Mm-hmm. So I removed that pod a little bit early. But um, I try to choose areas that have a little bit more cushion
0: <laughs> are you aware of that photo do you know Chris Freeman he was an Olympic cross-country skier has type one there's a yes. real, and he's, well, I don't
1: know him personally but yeah you I'm, know who
0: I'm I mean in, yeah there's this very popular photo mm-hmm. of him where he's wearing his omnipod like up on his peck and I always like when I saw that photo I thought well I can find a place on my daughter if he can wear it there you, you know like so it's just a lot of pinching that goes on when you put it on but um I always use that one yeah I always
1: I always pinch up for yeah. sure
0: you have to right People are wondering if you have any advice for young athletes who have type one and have been recently diagnosed about making the transition from their, you know, the life before they had to worry about their blood sugars to it.
1: I mean, race and diagnosis is tough, right? Cause you're just figuring out what works, right? Like there's no part of the difficulty and the challenge of type one is that it is unpredictable. Like, you know, that's what's so cool about the Givo HypoPen be ready campaign is that it's like, that's the message is be ready.
0: Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. If you'd like to learn more about Givoke Hypopen, all you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. cytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com risk, And don't forget, if you'd like GVOKE to know that you heard Robin on this podcast, visit gvokeglucagon.com forward slash Robin Arzon. Now let's get back to Robin. She was saying something about Be Ready.
1: I love that message because it's encouraging someone to really advocate for themselves and you know we we are warriors. We are diabetes warriors, but it doesn't mean that we can't advocate for ourselves and then prepare for what how we define our finish line or what that finish line looks like. So I would say for young athletes, advocate for yourself. You know, if you want to continue playing that sport, you absolutely can and should. Now you're just going to have insulin and maybe a Gvo hypo pen in your toolkit, but um you know that initial journey, you know, it's challenging. And then as you bring, as you bring in different elements, um, then that is, you kind of have to recalibrate, you know, what, what the facts and what the care are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do. And I, and I do understand, especially as it relates to children, you know, caregivers are really just trying to keep kids healthy and safe, but we should be doing so in a way that encourages them to to lead really dynamic and robust lives, and they can absolutely continue to do that safely.
0: Yeah, I like what you just said there about focus on what you can do, because you can build off of that. So maybe maybe you're Mm -hmm. not, you know, maybe you can't go do the run you used to exactly do right away, but do the things you can do, learn from that, and then adapt, adapt, adapt as you go along. That's a really great idea, honestly. Right. Yeah. You know, I keep thinking when you're talking about Givoke that um, the hypopen is the first, it's the first glucagon that my daughters actually carried with her because of the form factor. Oh, good. Prior to that, we, we would stash them at the house or at school, but they were never on her person. And now she has them constantly with her. And six months from now, she's leaving for college for the first time. And it is a real um, it is a real sense of of calm for me, knowing that it's something that's on her person all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
0: Yeah. Tell me about the Be Ready campaign. I know you're involved in it. And uh, what's its aim?
1: Well, I've, you know, as I mentioned, it's the idea that we're empowering folks living with Type 1 to give themselves peace of mind. When I think "Be ready," I'm thinking keys cell phone, water, rescue carbs, you know, like glucose tabs in the event of, of a low blood sugar. And then for severe low blood sugar instances, you've got the GVO HypoPen, which hopefully you don't need, right? But, you know, you throw it in your backpack. I throw it in my running pack. I have it in my training. Um, I take a bag, you know, when I go to lift heavy weights and I have that in my, in my training bag. So that's the idea behind it is that, you know, this is something that you are going to use and, and only in an extreme circumstance or perhaps a loved one would, would use for you um, if you are, you know, in in a really unpredictable, severe, low butcher event.
0: Hey, I, again, I feel weird for knowing things about you that other people told me, but <laughs> are you plant-based with your eating style?
1: I am, yeah. I have, I've been plant-based for almost nine years.
0: Okay, so, well, how long have you had type 1?
1: Um, thousand and less. I was I was vegan before I was type one. Oh, okay. Um, 2013, I want to say, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you don't that know. Right. I don't know exactly when my daughter was. Yeah, either. I don't.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's interesting because like I had such such a lot. Like a, a, I, so, my primary ways of identifying in the world don't happen to relate to me. You know, living with insulin and living with these bionic (laughs) products. Um, You know, my identity is a lot of things. So I don't think of, you know, I I don't think about it that much, you know, and, and folks, I do have followers who are like, Oh, but why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about that? And it's not that I'm clearly we're talking about it today. It's not that I'm unwilling. It's just that there's so many other things that I think about in my day to day um, that really empower me to live boldly.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny, people were asking if you saw a difference between, you know, how you had to use insulin, plant-based, but in prior, so you you obviously don't know. But do you think, generally speaking, do you use, uh, I mean, what what's the impact on, I mean, there's still a lot of protein in, in what you're eating. Do you see protein spikes like people do when they eat a cheeseburger and then see a, a rise 90 minutes later from the protein? Do you see that with what you're eating?
1: No, no. not not at all. Mm-mm. Okay. Wow. I very rarely um it's only when I eat processed foods um of course we all know like the pizzas and things like that that I that I that and I would use non non dairy cheese um but I eat a lot of the same stuff day in day out so you know the, the how food is going to affect my body is at, at this point largely lar- largely predictable mm-hmm. um and being plant based enables me and you know, obviously that's a very personal choice enables me to um feel faster from my workouts and really feel like, um, you know, I have control over where my food is coming from and and what that looks like.
0: How often would you say do you have, well, first of all, uh, what's the range you shoot for when you're not working out? Where are you, where are you hoping for your blood sugar to be?
1: I try to keep it between 90 and 100.
0: Cool. Okay. And then, um, so for my daughter, we use like 70 and 120 or her Dexcom, um, Alerts. So my my question was: is how often do you have to do something to push your blood sugar back up to ninety? Is it what kind of frequency, or does that happen with?
1: Um, meaning, if like, would I need to treat a
0: low or something? Yeah, like not dangerously low. Oh,
1: pretty. You know, pretty rarely. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Do you see?
1: Yeah, I would say it's pretty rare.
0: Do you see highs more frequently than lows, or not even enough to speak of?
1: um not enough to speak of i mean i will certainly say like if i'm traveling if i'm out to eat you know time zone changes something though anytime you change variables like that things can get a little funky but i would say it's really only like if i'm you know out to eat and i'm just like okay screw it i'm gonna have this this and this and in two hours i'm probably gonna need to treat a trending high you know (laughs) right
0: yeah what's a um What's a what's an average meal bolus for you like units wise? Is it? I know we're not. I know everybody's different, but I'm just trying to get a feeling for the plant based thing. Is it? Because I'm I'm get. I mean, you're you've got to be. I don't know how tall you are, but you look like you're built out of a muscle. So you know, I'm assuming that being in good shape is uh, is part of 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 how the insulin works in you, right? Because it gets through your body well. I'm assuming you're really well hydrated all the time. You know, so you're getting good insulin circulation. If you don't want to answer, it's fine. But I'm just wondering, like. What what would you consider like a big bolus when you're having those like restaurant meals? Oh, big,
1: um, probably over four or five units.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right, um, I have more questions. Uh, again, I'm sorry to know about your life. It's creepy, but um, uh, you've had a baby in in the recently. Congratulations! I know it's a little long to say congratulations still, but. Um, People are wondering uh, if you have any um, breastfeeding tips for, for uh, type one or pregnancy tips for type one.
1: Looping helps a lot, um, certainly. I would say um, breastfeeding. Yeah, in the beginning of breastfeeding, that was tricky. I, there were I had a, many more lows in the beginning. You know, pretty much after you have the baby, you know, of course, in the thir- third trimester, as the placenta is growing, your insulin needs. Really skyrocket. I and mean, I think mine like doubled, maybe even tripled by the end. But um, as soon as you have the baby, that, that really camps down. And then if you're breastfeeding, your body is basically a furnace. Like you are, like I really likened it to you're kind of always in that low level of cardio, mm-hmm. at least in the beginning as your milk supply is, is developing. So those first six weeks, um, <clears throat> I was there, you know, I, I trended low much more frequently. So um, if, if I were, to you know, Monday morning quarterback approach. I would have reduced my basal, um, pretty significantly, and then you know, bol- you know, kept an eye on my blood sugar and bolus more frequently, okay. just until I got a handle on what you know what my new basal rate should was should have been, you know, during that breastfeeding initial breastfeeding. Part of the journey. Yeah,
0: I've interviewed a number. We actually have series. Um, I, I once tracked a woman through her pregnancy, interviewed her at every trimester while she had type 1. And um, we've had some experts on to talk about it. And some of them say that the basal needs and your bolusing needs in the third trimester almost stop as soon as the placenta is delivered. And you almost have to like swap, swap back again. So now, in hindsight, you think maybe right after the delivery, your needs lowered, but you kind of stayed with the settings you were at. Is that how it went, or do you think your body burning? I lo-
1: I I definitely lowered it, regardless, because mm-hmm. I knew you know I, I did some research and I was aware about that after you know the placenta is no longer um, a, a factor. But I would say you know middle of the night lows where. Um, very frequent in the, in those first few weeks. And um, it would be sometimes like, you know, I'm up to feed the baby and I'm going low. So I tried to just, you know, you know, plan for, plan for the unpredictable, um, both the baby and breastfeeding and lows. Um, And then finally, you know, kind of, I, I reached, once my blood supply kind of came in, that roller coaster alleviated a little bit. Um, but, yeah, those first few weeks were challenging. We're
0: yeah, and did you address it mostly with food or with insulin adjustments or a little bit of both?
1: I think it's – yeah, it was definitely a little bit of both. Initially, it was predominantly food. I would just be like, okay, it's 2 in the morning. I'm just going to eat half this yeah. whatever banana um, or drink some juice. But then – um I wanted, you know, I wanted to get my settings right to the extent that I could, I could. And I ultimately did. And then, you know, for the remainder of my breastfeeding journey, it was normal, like normal Robin. Cool.
0: Um, Again, I'm going to ask a question. It's not my question. It's someone else's. And if it's too personal, please don't answer it. People are wondering if you're thinking about having your daughter tested for trial net, like to see if she has any um, type one markers. Have you ever considered that or even thought about it?
1: My husband and I have have discussed it, but we're we're not going to discuss that
0: publicly. Of course, okay. What what was the other question I had about that? Oh, uh, in your family line, a, a, after being diagnosed with type one, because you were diagnosed as an adult. So, first of all, mm-hmm. w- was that shocking, or are there other autoimmunes in your family that it that it made it seem reasonable when it happens? Like, do you have any relatives with type one or celiac,
1: no, Hashimoto's, no.
0: anything really?
1: No, nothing like that. So that, it was definitely surprising.
0: Yeah. What was that like as an adult trying to adjust to it? Do you think it would have, I mean, when you talk to kids who go through it, do you see similarities or do you think it's, it's very much different?
1: I don't know. You know, I only know my own experience. I I cannot, I really, I can't say, and I I, I don't speak to a ton of kids (laughs) (laughs) about this specifically.
0: Well, if you want uh, to speak to a ton of them ever, I have a list of them over here who are dressed up like you riding Peloton bikes. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I actually have this here. Um, this, this woman tells me that when she returned home from the hospital uh, with her 12-year-old son, there was no T1D in their family. They were basically, she said she was having a breakdown because her son was diagnosed. She got on her Peloton bike to try to alleviate her stress. Uh, She randomly picked a 20-minute ride and for the first time realized that you had diabetes. And um, I guess you raised your arm and she saw a sensor or something like that. And she said it snapped her into reality. She realized she could handle this for her kid. And they've just been been going full bore after that. And I'm telling you, that's one of like a dozen stories like that that people sent me. Really crazy.
1: I'm grateful that I was able to (laughs) inspire her.
0: So I, I have to tell you, like... What you said earlier about diabetes not being a very big part of your life, um, you know, moment to moment, because you are incredibly busy. You 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 run the world. It seems like to me. Um, I don't know all that you do, <laughs> but it seems like a lot. And um, and, and and I get that. And even if you were to talk to my daughter, who's you know just about eighteen, she would talk about it like you do. It's not at the forefront of her mind. Um, it's not. It's not. You know, it doesn't stick to her constantly all day long. But then, on on the flip of that is that just you having it and being yourself is such a, you know, it's such an empowering thing for other people. Can, can you talk, tell me what that feels like? Like what does it feel like to not set out to be a role model for something, but yet you end up being
1: one? <laughs> um.
0: I like how you laugh. Uh,
1: yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I certainly don't uh, see myself as a role model, but I am someone who lives. Um, with a lot of aspects of my persona and my public, my, my life as a public figure, and that's part of it. And I own it and I not only preach what I practice, but I practice what I preach. So it, I, I'm living a life that it's it's in alignment with my value system. And, um, that's the only way I can answer it is no, you don't really choose. Sometimes you don't choose how the world, um, receives you. And, um, you
0: know, I guess that's, that's an example of it. Yeah. So Robin, not, this has got nothing to do with me, but, uh, I, I receive, um, probably about 15 letters, like these notes that people sent to you. I, I receive them about the podcast every day and they're, they're difficult to, process. Like I listened to the uncomfortable nature of your answer just now. And I thought if you were to ask me that question, I would have sounded just like you. I just started out to make a podcast and I thought I would share the way we do things and it might help people. And I didn't, I I never imagined what would happen. And then when people kind of mirror back their experience to you and they say, Hey, you did this, or I was able to accomplish this because of something you said, I always just go, thank you. I'm so glad the podcast is valuable for you. I don't even know what to say. It, It feels, um, it's otherworldly, really. It's not, it's not something I don't think, I don't think a normal person prepares for that to happen to themselves. So I appreciate you answering, mm-hmm. but I, know mm-hmm. how you, I think I know how you feel. Um, so most people, I guess, know, know you, right? Do you think through, through your work with Peloton and, and being an instructor there and, and that business, but what else do you have going on? You've written, are you going to write more books? When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. GVOC Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvocglucagon.com forward slash juice box. GVOC shouldn't be used in patients with Cytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvocglucagon.com slash risk. Once again, Robin's link for Glucagon is Givoglucagon.com forward slash Robin Arzon. Now we'll get back to the show.
1: Yeah, I've written a few books. Um, I uh, had two New York Times bestsellers. The first one, Shut Up and Run, and the second is my first children's book, Strong Mama. I just submitted the manuscript for my third book. Um, I have some cool partnerships happening you know in the fashion and beauty space um that that's pretty exciting coming out this year i have some things you know as it relates to being a mom and you know stuff for athena as well some products coming out for, for children and um you know of course you know my partnerships with companies like jibo HypoPen. you know natural corollaries to how i live my life mm-hmm. right so whether it's Di, di, you know, be, being able to continue to be bold as someone living with diabetes, you know, because I have uh, the pen in my, in my back pocket, essentially, or whether it's you know continuing to put out more amazing content with Peloton globally, um, you know, those the synergies are really important to me, and um, <clears throat> I I partner and invest only with com- in companies that I really use and align with with my day-to-day so Mm -hmm. for example i'm an investor in um athletic greens ag1 that is a company that i really believe in so any of the any of the partnerships that i speak about publicly as an investor and a brand ambassador are things that i really use Mm
0: -hmm. wow that's amazing uh the athletic greens that's a a drink right that brings nutrients vitamins that that sort of stuff
1: yeah exactly so i'll throw that in my water in the morning
0: what, what's in your smoothie? You mentioned your smoothie like it's a friend. I, I don't know if you realize that. Like when you, <laughs> when you speak about it like it's a person in your life. I, so what, what's in that smoothie?
1: So the smoothie is about, um, you know, one serving is about 20 carbs and the carbs would change, you know, it might be mango one day, it might be berries, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the carb count based on, um, or I'll know what the carb count is and kind of use that as a work back approach. Um, vegan protein, I'll put magnesium in there. I'll put, um, the AG one in there. Um, gosh, what else is in there? Um, some vitamin D, some, sometimes some chia seeds, sometimes some um, hemp hearts, you know, it really depends on what we have in the cabinet. Um, but it might be as many as like 10 to 15 ingredients, depending on, depending on the day. And wow. then the greens, we'll always throw in kale, spinach, um, whatever we have in the fridge.
0: You make it yourself at home every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, does your, uh, you're married, correct? Yeah. 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 Do, do you and your husband keep a similar kind of diet or do you eat two different ways?
1: No, we eat we pretty much the same together every day. <laughs> yeah. Would
0: it be difficult, do you think, if one did something one way and one did something the other way? Or just more work, maybe?
1: Um I mean it probably would make it certainly we would have more dishes. <laughs> it's a lot easier to eat as a family. I'll say that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um what does uh I don't even know if you think about it this way, but do you think of do you think of the way you eat as um a style? Is it something that you, you You know what I mean? Like, do you, do you have cheat moments or is it not, or do you just, there's part of me that thinks that you are just a person who sets a course on things and does them and doesn't deviate from them. But I'm trying to find out if that's the case or not.
1: Yeah. I don't really have a philosophy of like, this is a cheating day or meal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't live a life that I feel like I need to have a vacation from. Like I don't only live for Saturdays. You know, I, my life is freaking awesome. Right. Similarly, I feel in a way that, um, makes me feel really good. And I love the food that I eat. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't feel the need to kind of sneak away and have a, a cheat. Right. Um, if I feel like having something, you know, right. If I want to eat birthday cake, I want to eat birthday cake. If I want to have dessert, I'm going to eat dessert. You know, I don't feel the need to kind of reward myself or punish myself using food.
0: Okay. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And so do you even, are you aware of your, your caloric intake during the day or anything like that? Or are you just sort of like, you just on a, basically you eat what you eat. It sounds like pretty re- repetitiously at the very least. So you probably know what you're taking in day to day.
1: Roughly. Yeah. Um, I would say I eat pretty intuitively, but I have a a general sense of macros, macros and micronutrients. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Is that something you were able to figure out on your own or did you need, did you go to someone to help you understand the, the nutrients that your body specifically needed? Because it it occurs to me, I, I mean, just to as a sidebar for a second you know we talk to a lot of different people on the podcast and we have this one series called how we eat and people just come on and tell the you know the different things that they you know some people are uh keto and some people are plant-based etc and they come on and they talk about it but what i find talking to people is that the happiest ones are the ones that seem to have found the eating style that fits their body and and that it, mm. it just you know what i mean it just it, it's what works for them they're happy and they're healthy and they're unencumbered. And that ends up being the right answer. Um, so I don't know. I forgot my question. But I'm I'm assuming that's, um, that's what – oh, I'm, I got my question again. I found it. Did you have to go to somebody to have somebody tell you, hey, these are the macros that you need? Or how would a person go about figuring something like that out?
1: Well, nutritionists are certainly – very helpful in that, you know, get, getting an understanding of your lifestyle, how, how active you are. Um, and that is a very important, I would say, stop on the journey for somebody who is really just trying to educate themselves and, and, and do that kind of exploratory, I guess, conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done a lot of, I mean, I've really educated myself about what works for me. And again, to your point is find what works for you. Um, There isn't a one-size-fits-all, and I I, I definitely recommend, you know, seeking out a professional to help you calculate, you know, if macros are of interest. It's certainly not required for for all folks, but it it can be helpful data. Um, And again, we should only be using these data points uh, as ways to help us, not, you know, to have more numbers <laughs> and more things to, to kind about. of yeah. inform you know what how how we're doing and how we're doing what we're doing
0: right hey we have a couple of minutes left i want to ask you so i'm going to abuse myself as an example i'm 50 years old i make a podcast about 12 hours a day and um in the my free time i walk to the bathroom uh, the shower and my bed i am not getting enough um exercise so at Christmas time I was like okay well what seems low impact for me that I could get started with and I got a bike I rode the bike for yeah three weeks before my knee started hurting and now next month I'm having my meniscus repaired how do people who, oh no. no don't worry it'll be fine uh, <laughs> but but um but how do people who are who want to do something like what path is there to success right because I made the decision and I made the move and I started doing it and okay I had a I had a you know, a physical limitation and I'm going to fix it and I'm going to get right back to it. But I mean, how do people, how should people start? Because I mean, I watched a video of you riding that bike. I'm a hundred percent certain I would have a stroke or a heart attack if I did that. So, but I do believe I could get to it, but what is that? Like, how do I get to it? Is my question. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do people go from inactivity to activity, um, with, with the best chance for success?
1: Yeah, I would say small, consistent choices. Okay. Um, You know, the the sweeping change usually isn't the long-term strategy. I would rather have someone do um, consistent, less intense movement Mm -hmm. for initially and for a longer period of time, and then you layer on, you know, intense, Stop. Like there is absolutely a place for intensity and working really hard and pushing heavier weights and running further distances and biking, you know, but, we, but I wouldn't recommend that uh, someone who's new to movement start there. Right. I would yeah. rather see what you can do consistently for one month, three months, six months, and then use that, you know, as, as a building block.
0: Yeah. I want to be clear. I don't think the bicycle like hurt my knee. I think my knee was already kind of there and just, you know, doing anything kind of push it over the edge. So just um, so lower, lo- kind of lower, more consistent, maybe longer, less impactful until you start feeling that you can handle more and then more intense, more intense, more intense as you move forward. If, if you put real effort into that, yeah. if you put real effort into that, is it fair to think that in a year you could see a change in your life? I just want to let you know that the next part of our conversation is related to exercise. Listeners should consult their physician before beginning or changing any exercise or physical activity program.
1: Oh my gosh, you could see a change much sooner. Really. Um, and it also depends on the goal, right? So, um, you know, if, if you're trying to build up cardiovascular endurance, there are approaches for that. If you're trying to build up, you know, you know build up more muscle and make your muscles larger, hypertrophy training, there's a there's a method for that, right? Mm-hmm. So you really have to begin with the end goal in mind of like, what is your objective? And the more specific you can get with your objective, then you can specifically inform how you should be moving, how frequently, um, how intensely, you know, all of those are variables that really are informed by what the goal is and, and, and where someone is starting from. Um, But you, but I would say someone really needs to start where they are. Um, People's entire lives can change in a year. So yes, I would say, change certainly can happen in in that length of time. Amazing. All
0: right. so I'm going to I feel like I have a minute left so I have to ask you about like your average day. Like when you get to the end of is there ever an end to your day? Do you do you have like a time where you say I'm not going to work anymore or does work kind of exist throughout the day?
1: Yeah, I mean I would say I don't usually take meetings, you know, after by the time it's my daughter's dinner time, I'm I'm pretty much off in terms of any public facing commitments. Mm-hmm. Um I untether myself from social media and emails <laughs> yeah. um, probably at around eight o'clock. And then I start to wind down. I have a medication practice. I have a read, you know, I read every single evening before going to bed. Um, and that, you know, I, I try to create a transition time to anchor my day, um, you know, so I can start to let go because it, my work is who I am also as a public figure. So I have to be very intentional with moments that are are not that.
0: Yeah, I I feel that that my job doesn't really exist in an office or a place, and that it that there are times when like sometimes my my wife will be like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm making money," and, uh, <laughs> and you know, but it's ten o'clock at night. And I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this right now. You, you know what I mean? So, um, hey, you just mentioned meditation. Do you practice anything specific? Do you transcendental or do you do something else, or is it just sort of a mindfulness that you that you approach?
1: It is similar to TM. It's a Vedic practice that I've been doing actually since I was a lawyer, so um, quite a few years.
0: When you're next to other people, do you think do they do you think they look at you and go that person has way more energy than I do, um, or like do you feel like the, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like you you have a ton of good energy, I guess is what I should say, and you're obviously putting it to work in a lot of different places, but you're doing. I mean, just the stuff I can see from you publicly, which is clearly not your entire life. I'm tired watching you. So uh, why are you not tired?
1: This is my <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I do prioritize sleep. Um, I I often take it back to basics, you know, like when I'm feeling like my energy is waning and I, and I might innately be a higher energy person than most folks. But um you know, I ask myself very simple questions like, have you, are you hydrated? Did you eat a vegetable today? You know, can you get to bed a little earlier? Can you put the phone down for 10 minutes? You know, they, mm. we kind of know intuitively what we're supposed to do, but when we're, you know, filled with cortisol and, you know, we feel like things are getting a little bit stressful or a lot stressful, um, we kind of let those things fall. Uh, but really, we do have a framework that we can rely on and we should be relying on those things, especially when and when, you know, times are tough.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all this with me. I really do. I'm sorry we had a little technical difficulty at the beginning, kind of took away some of our time. But um, I, I've just been really excited to do this. I've come at you 16 different ways and have not been able to get through to you. And when uh, when we were able to make this happen, I was really excited. People I'm going to tell you, Robin, that people that I know in the industry, when I, when I said I was interviewing you, they were like, "How did you get Robin to come on your podcast?" <laughs> so you are known as well. A here, t-
1: here we are.
0: <laughs> you are known as a tough get. Just so you know, um, it's uh, <laughs> there are people who were incredibly impressed that you and I were talking today. Uh, I hope you had a great time. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Great to talk to you, Scott.
0: It's my pleasure. Take care. Take care. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, GVOKE GLUCAGON. Find out more about GVOKE Hypopen at GVOKEGLUCAGON.com forward slash juicebox. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N com forward slash juicebox. I also want to thank Robin for coming on the Juicebox podcast and spending this time chatting with us. Very cool. If you're new to the podcast, hang on for a second and I'll tell you a little more about it. First, I'll run through some links gvokeglucagon.com forward slash robin arzon. Hit that link, let gvoke know you heard Robin here on the podcast. And if you're a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of a type one, or has Type 1 themselves, please again consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and taking that quick survey. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you just came by to hear Robin, you should stay and hang out. There are over 600 more episodes for you to enjoy. You can check them out in a number of different ways in the audio app of your choice, meaning Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, what else? Uh, I think Google's got a podcast app. There's there's a ton of podcast apps or other audio apps where you just search for Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, hit subscribe or follow, and you're on your way. If you're having trouble finding a podcast app, go to juiceboxpodcast.com, and there are links right across the top of the page that will get you started. The podcast has a vibrant private Facebook group. It's absolutely free, has 25,000 people in it, and is waiting for you. You can lurk around and see what people are talking about, We'll jump right in. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. The show has different series, Defining Diabetes, which goes over all of the terms that you might run into in your life using insulin. There's the Diabetes Pro Tip series with me and CDE Jenny Smith where we talk about all different kinds of ways of managing type 1. You might enjoy the Diabetes Variable series that talks about things that impact your life with type 1 such as alcohol or shopping at Walmart, or other things that make your blood sugar go up and down. The After Dark series covers things like eating disorders, complications, bipolar disorder, drug use, and so much more. Adult topics for people living with type 1. There's a series all about algorithm pumping. Are you looking into Omnipod 5, Control IQ, Medtronic 670G, and you'd love to hear conversations about those? We have that too, right here on the Juicebox Podcast. And don't forget the How We Eat series, where a new person comes on to discuss their eating style. Intermittent fasting, keto, flexitarian, Bernstein, FODMAP, doesn't matter. If it's a style of eating, we've talked about it here on the podcast. One more time, jump into a podcast app or an audio app. Start today. If you don't know where to start, go to that Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, and right up top, in the Featured tab, there's lists and lists and lists of episodes. That you might be interested in thank you so much for listening today i'll be back very soon with another episode of the juice box podcast